Thanks for pressing play. And uh, welcome to a very, very special episode. And off the top, I also want to say thank you for making our new book, Snow Leopard, uh, How Legendary Writers Create a Category of One. It's been a number one bestseller pretty much every day since, since the day it got launched on Amazon. And so I want to thank you very much for that. It's also caused a tremendous amount of conversation uh, in the entrepreneur, marketing, and writer slash creator world. Because today, more than ever, being able to change the world with words matters. In a native digital world where people experience you in many ways for the first time via the written word, whether it's a, a text, a Slack, or an email, or what have you, the ability to write in a way that moves people from an old way to a new way is a superpower. And as you know, every company today needs to be a content company. And the reality is most companies completely suck at creating content. And so on this very special episode, uh, here's what you are about to receive, about to receive, yeah, <laughs> about to experience, is a uh, me reading you the first chapter of Snow Leopard. And that chapter is going to change the way you think about not just creating, but also consuming content. And there's an aha here, which is the vast majority of content in the world of business is fairly obvious. And the vast majority of legendary breakthroughs are non-obvious. And so the question is, how do we create breakthrough non-obvious and connect it to the obvious so that people understand its applicability and make that idea tip its scale? And so on a personal level, if you're somebody who wants to be part of creating exponentially different futures, that is to say new categories of the way we live, work, and play. It turns out the vast majority of business content is fairly obvious. And some of it is obvious obvious, and some of it is stupid obvious. The percentage of business thinking content that is geared towards the non-obvious thinker who wants to create exponentially different futures is very low. And so if you're that kind of person, where do you turn? And uh, for the most part, our podcasts and our writing is for those kinds of people. And so as a consumer of content, my hope is that Snow Leopard, and in particular, this first chapter, The Content Pyramid, also give you a new lens, not just on how to create legendary content, but how to think about what to consume and what not to consume. And as just a little side note on that, ever since we sort of had this aha, this unlock of obvious and non-obvious content and how the most legendary content tends to be, not always true, but tends to be a magical mix of non-obvious and obvious, that is to say a breakthrough idea connected in a, in a way that we can understand, that is to say obvious. Once you get that, you realize some of the shit you're consuming is just garbage. And as a podcaster, I'll tell you, particularly on Follow Your Different, if you're a listener, uh, you know that we have many authors on. And ever since we had this unlock of obvious, non-obvious, and getting a, a, a good mix of it to produce a breakthrough, as distinct from obvious, obvious, or stupid obvious, it's gotten a lot easier around here. When a PR person pitches us an author, I just look at it and go, hmm, how obvious is this? How non-obvious is this? And if it's kind of obvious, obvious, it becomes very obvious. <laughs> now, all of this may sound like a crazy ramble, but it will make sense after you hear uh, chapter one of Snow Leopard, which is called The Content Pyramid, Five Levels of Becoming a Legendary Writer, Creator, and Thought Leader. Now, hey-ho, let's go. This is Lockheada Marketing, the podcast that helps you develop the lens for what makes legendary marketing legendary. Hosted by Christopher Lockhead, three-time CMO, godfather of category design, and a high school dropout, who the Marketing Journal calls one of the best minds in marketing, and The Economist calls off-putting to some. Chapter 1 the content pyramid. 
The Five Levels of Becoming a Legendary Writer, Creator, and Thought Leader. Everybody wants to be a thought leader. They want to be seen as forward thinking. They want to be celebrated as the guru, the expert, the all-knowing one in their industry. They want to be the keynote speaker, the best-selling author, the person listed in the next 10 marketers to watch in 2002 by uh, Forbes, most of which are paid placements, just so you know. Because now that the world has gotten exposed to the power of digital attention and everyone believes the most valuable thing you could possibly have is an audience, well, everybody wants one for themselves. Unfortunately, as we wrote about in our mini book, The Me Disease, the vast majority of people who want to be a thought leader or best-selling author in today's digital gamified world don't have any leading thoughts. That is to say, they're not actually contributing new, differentiated ideas. What they want is to be seen as a thought leader, to collect badges of approval and amass followers and social metrics that send the signal that lots of other people say they are important without having to say anything unique, meaningful, or different. More importantly, they want the audience without having to take the time to think deeply about who they are creating for and why. They want the outcome without the process. And since this has become such a desirable goal, there are now strategies for shortcutting your way to instant status gratification. The key is to cater to the lowest common denominator. The way the business world has been educated on how to become an overnight thought leader is to create content that doesn't threaten, doesn't challenge, and doesn't require the audience to think as loud and as often as possible. This strategy caters to lazy, button-smashing consumers. When these people scroll through their social media feeds, they are, usually, not looking to be challenged. Instead, they are in a state of searching for confirmation bias. It takes every single person in the organization to achieve what you want to achieve. Duh. Yes, like. Authenticity is crucial to creating content that resonates. For sure. Got it. Comment. If you want to change the world, you have to change yourself. Totally. I'm a world changer too. Share. Which is why the most viral content caters to the lowest common denominator emotions. Rage, joy, wonder, sadness, shock, surprise, desire, and so on. As a result, most people do not define being a thought leader as having something unique and different to say. The way the world defines a thought leader, especially in the digital world, is by measures of public approval. It's a video game. How many followers do you have? How many views does your content get? How many subscribers are on your email list? How many books have you sold? How many keynote speeches have you given? How many Forbes articles have called you an expert? How many recognizable names say you're important? And since this game is largely about external signals of credibility, it makes sense why so many smart, well-intentioned, successful people decide to optimize for the path of least resistance. Out of nowhere, they start posting BGOs, blinding glimpses of the obvious. Because this sort of non-threatening content is the easiest way to get likes and climb the perceived ladder of success without ruffling any feathers. We call this content-free content. And it gets likes and views. It lands you some followers. But after you, the consumer, eat it, you sort of feel like you ate a box full of Oreos. Zero nutritional value, full of empty calories, and left feeling stupid. For those who don't want to cater to the lowest common denominator, but still don't have anything valuable to say, the other strategy is to add complexity to sound smart. This is how most academics and consultants approach thought leadership. For example, Reengineering the Corporation by James Champy and Michael Hammer was a seminal book and management idea. It kicked off an entire subsector of management consultants that generated hundreds of millions of dollars in fees and made CSC Index the bell of the ball among consulting firms for a brief period during the 1980s and 90s. 
Engineering a business sounds very technical and complicated. This was intentional by design to scare clients into thinking they need help. Yet the core ideas were very simple. If any business process slash activity doesn't add value to the customer, get rid of it. Redesign every business process to cut costs, especially via technology automation. But isn't this what companies are supposed to do anyways in the normal course of doing business? The truth is, ideas like these are easy to understand but hard to execute. And since simplicity doesn't sell services, many academics and consultants complicate the language to make a simple idea feel like rocket science to justify their fees to come in and do the work. We wouldn't classify this languaging as much as anti-languaging, which is the art of making up new words and acronyms for simple ideas that sound equally appealing and intimidating at the same time. Thought Leadership 101. Listen to the words, thought, leadership. In order to be a thought leader, you must also be willing to lead with your thoughts. This means it is your responsibility to say things people have not said yet. It is your responsibility to take risks, challenge conventional wisdom, and, dare we say, allow yourself to be creative. Not in the art school, I'm creative just like you way, but in the Elon Musk, I'm going to Mars F you sort of way. This is not about being outrageous or controversial for the sake of attention. It's about taking the world somewhere new because you are already living in the future and you're on a mission to get everyone else there with you. The big question, how? Anyone can say the key to creating content that resonates is to be authentic. The problem is, do you know what that means? How do we measure authenticity? What action step can you take after hearing that advice? Most people come up empty-handed. So we want to put a compass in your hands. We've put together what we like to call the content pyramid. The content pyramid. Five levels of becoming a legendary writer, creator, and thought leader. There are five levels to becoming a legendary writer, creator, and thought leader in your field. Level one, consumption. Level two, curation. Level three, obvious connection. Level four, non-obvious connection. And level five, category creation. Unfortunately, most people who aspire to be a thought leader, by any definition of the term, struggle to make it past levels two, which is curation, or level three, which is obvious connection, on the content pyramid. They mistake passionately sharing someone else's ideas or stating a blinding glimpse of the obvious for thought leadership. Again, while this might be a terrific strategy for getting short-term likes, followers, and public approval, there is a giant difference between Gary Vaynerchuk and Nassim Nicholas Talib. One contributes radically different, timeless thinking to modern society. The other bashes into your skull, you need to create content, 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 content! It should be no surprise that Gary V's social media following completely dwarfs Mr. Talib's stupid scales. Ask yourself, do you want acceptance or do you want to make a difference? Before we dive in, it's important to level set your expectations. If you want to be a legendary writer, creator, entrepreneur, executive, or industry thought leader, you need to be honest with yourself about A, how you measure success, and B, what category you're going to play in. For example, Nassim Nicholas Tlaib, the author of the best-selling book, Black Swan, writes about macroeconomics, mathematics, and statistics. He is brilliant and has contributed significantly to humanity's understanding of anti-fragile systems. His work was referenced profusely throughout the COVID-19 pandemic as the pandemic revealed the fragility of our world. Gary Vaynerchuk, a.k.a. Gary VD, is also a best-selling author, writes and speaks and creates content about happiness, success, business motivation, and creating content. No one has ever uh, credited Mr. Uh, VD with changing the world in any meaningful way. However, his audience is 15 to 25x larger than Mr. Tlaib's and 
we'd bet he accumulates a thousand X more exposure on his content than Tlaib or any other modern thinking. Mr. V spends big money to go viral, but that's just a whole other conversation. It doesn't just happen. Regardless. And the reason is very simple and has much less to do with marketing than most people realize. Nassim Nicholas Tlaib creates top of the pyramid, differentiated, non-obvious content in smaller topic categories, macroeconomics, mathematics, and statistics. Gary Vee creates bottom of the pyramid, undifferentiated, obvious content in larger topic categories, happiness, success, business motivation, content creation. The number one mistake aspiring writers, creators, and industry thought leaders make is wanting to have the impact of Tlaib, but measuring the success of Gary Vee. Do you think Nassim Nicholas Tlaib cares how many likes his post about, quote, how at low variance the log normal masquerades as normal gets? Of course not. He wants to have smart, non-obvious discussions about difficult niche topics. Meanwhile, Gary Vee has an entire floor of his advertising agency solely dedicated to maximizing the reach and engagement of every one of his YouTube videos, LinkedIn posts, and tweets, all of which say some variation of the same thing. Success is all about perspective. Oh, okay, thanks. So before we get started playing the game of writing and leading with your thoughts, you need to make a decision. Do you want to make a difference? Then you need to divorce yourself from public approval. Different things don't get accepted right away. Meaningful things take time to understand. And non-obvious connections require people to think, and guess what? Most people scrolling through social media don't want to think. Or do you want to be accepted? If you want to be accepted, if you want lots of followers and engagements and badges that say you're awesome in the short term, then tweet, post, and make videos catering to the lowest common denominator. Parrot the same things everyone else says. The key to success is hard work, determination, and grit. Don't threaten. Don't challenge and optimize for confirmation bias. The more you can create content people will engage with while their brain is turned off and the more borderline comatose scrolling, scrolling, and scrolling, the better. People say they want the former, but drool over the latter. That is to say making a difference versus gaining acceptance. The size of the question dictates the size of the audience. The second thing you need to wrap your head around is the category matters. When you create, you are creating something for someone. Anyone who says, yeah, well, I just want to create for myself is a beginner and hasn't gotten far enough down the road to realize they aren't who matters. The reader, the listener, the viewer is who matters. That someone is your audience. The question is how many people are in the audience? Better yet, how many people could there be in the audience? What most writers, creators, and aspiring thought leaders do is they sit down and decide they want to create or write something first. Then they're done and they go to work on trying to get the whole world to pay attention. But remember, no one owes you their attention. And just because you took the time to write it doesn't mean everyone else has to take the time to read it. The problem is the whole world might not be interested in what you've made. Let's say you sat down and decided to write an essay about the importance of owning a farm of chickens, which, as a side note, I would think is awesome. Well, the only people who are going to pay attention are the ones who woke up that morning with a question. You know what? I'd really like to know what it's like to own a farm of chickens. Pyro Christopher, me, has chickens a.k.a. little dinosaurs. We actually call them dinos around here. And uh, thinks if more people knew how awesome they were, more people would have them. But I digress. This is the value exchange that happens between every writer and reader, creator and consumer, thought leader and follower. So if you want to reach a lot of people, then you need to answer questions a lot of people have. How can I make more money? How can I be happier? How do I get promoted? 
Conversely, if you want to reach a small number of people in a highly engaging way, then you need to answer small, hyper-relevant questions only those types of people would be interested in. How can I make more money as a middle school teacher? What are jobs I can do as a stay-at-home mom with two kids working part-time? What are some easy ways to remember the fundamentals of algebra? The size of the question dictates the size of the audience. The reason so many aspiring thought leaders create obvious, non-threatening content is because their goal isn't actually to lead thoughts in a different direction. Their goal is to increase the number next to their profile picture that says how many people on planet Earth think they're awesome so they can use that number to book speaking gigs, sell products, or just fall asleep a little easier at night knowing they're liked online. In fact, as a rule of thumb, people with giant audiences online tend to create the most surface-level, obvious, content-free content. Whereas the people with smaller, more niche audiences tend to create non-obvious, hyper-relevant content. Consciously choosing which game you want to play is crucial to measuring your success as a writer, creator, entrepreneur, and thought leader. Now, here's how to climb the content pyramid. Level one, consumption. Internet culture has long called this the 1% rule. This means that on any given social media platform or website where users can participate, 1% of the users create the content. 9% of the users curate, organize, and update the content. And 90% of the users consume the content. Most people spend their entire lives being content consumers, not creators. And that's totally fine. So long as you understand you're not playing the game, you're sitting on the sidelines watching the game. In order to get in the game, you must move out of consumption and up the content pyramid. There are two types of content consumers. Passive lean-back consumers. These are people at the very bottom of the content pyramid who typically have an unconscious or even unhealthy relationship with media in all its forms. They spend day after day reading articles like how to get rich, never putting their learnings into practice or taking any action. They watch motivational video after motivational video, never leaving their couch. Or they cackle at TikToks of children getting hit in the face with large exercise balls well past their bedtime. The point is they consume content that tends to overpromise and under-deliver. Especially in the business world, we call this content-free content. The more outrageous the claim in the headline, the more likely it is to be dumb and meaningless. And your life would be no different without it. As far as content goes, Inc. Magazine is the category king here. Elon Musk does this one thing every morning before breakfast. is a dumb headline. And chances are reading articles like this lead to no meaningful difference in your life. The reason there is a place in the world for content like this is because, as we said, what most people consume is content confirming things they already think. They don't want new and different thoughts. They want the same thoughts parroted over and over again, which is why Gary Vee's content strategy works. Just say things people want to hear and they'll keep smashing that like button like rats on cocaine. This is the equivalent of being intellectually morbidly obese, where you continue to consume empty intellectual calories until you realize your brain is so overweight you can't think for five minutes without needing a break to catch your breath. Active, lean forward consumers. Making the transition from passive to active is the first step in climbing up the content pyramid. This is, I choose to consume this as opposed to, oh, look, another shiny object. There's a terrific scene in the movie Crazy People, a comedy from the 1990s, where an ad executive finds himself in a mental hospital, where ads are rewritten to be brutally honest to the consumer, like a magazine spread that says, quote, you may think phone service sucks since deregulation, but don't mess with us because we're all you got. In fact, if we fold, you're going to have no damn phones. AT&T, we're tired of taking your crap. This is a bit like what happens as a consumer when you move from passive to active consumption. 
You understand that all the content is trade. You're aware of what you're buying with your attention and you're okay with the cost, time off of your life. Some content you consume is extremely valuable and other content you consume is mindless, but makes you laugh. Either way, you are walking into the engagement with open eyes and can tell when you're being sold something tricked or emotionally triggered. Being conscious isn't the same as taking action and continuing to climb up the content ladder. So while you may be more aware than the chimpanzee next to you scrolling, 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 at the end of the day, you're a consumer. And that's okay if that's what you want to do and that's how you want to spend your time. Level two, curation. Most people do not begin their journey as a writer, creator, or industry thought leader by creating original content. Instead, they begin by imitating and curating thoughts, perspectives, insights, and ideas from people they admire. David Perel, internet writer and creator of Rite of Passage, calls this imitate, then innovate, which is the mental model many great creators over the ages have used to study those who came before them. They start by watching, learning, and internalizing the rules, only to ultimately break them and forge a path of their own. Picasso studying Van Gogh's Impressionism and then a decade later moving on to create Cubism is a perfect example. Every rock band starts off playing covers. There's nothing wrong with this strategy. In fact, some people stay at level two their entire lives, mastering the art of curating other people's ideas and never climbing further up the content pyramid. Tim Ferriss is probably the most well-known example of this, having created a career largely around organizing and distilling other people's insights as opposed to sharing his own. And his podcast, as well as his best-selling books, Tools of Titans or Tribe of Mentors, show just how powerful intentional curation can be. Ryan Holiday is another example of curation done well. Ryan's entire career isn't built on his own insights, but rather Marcus Aurelius's insights and perspectives on stoicism distilled and made simple for the modern reader. And The Obstacle is the Way is a book of curated stories from John D. Rockefeller to Amelia Earhart to Ulysses S. Grant to Steve Jobs to show those principles personified. There's nothing original about Ryan Holiday's work. And that's okay. He does great work. Curation is still a form of curation. Intentional curation. All of that said, curation is one of those skills that is very easy to learn, but very difficult to master. The lowest form of curation is sharing, like retweeting someone else's content on Twitter. When you share someone else's content, technically you're being a curator. Of all the content out there, you're signaling this thing is so important because you're sharing it from your profile. Next level of curation is adding your own opinion. If you share something and you tell the reader why you like it, don't like it, feel happy or sad or upset or inspired by it, communicating your own opinion on the content you are sharing makes you a creator. Because now the reader is consuming not just your judgment of the content you're creating, but also consuming your perspective on the content. Above that is curation with insight. Opinions are easy. Everybody has one. But what's much more valuable than an opinion is an insight. This is what makes Ryan Holiday, Tim Ferriss, and other world-class curators so effective. Because even though they aren't the ones coming up with radically new and different ideas themselves, people read their work and listen to what they have to say because they trust their judgment, enjoy the thought leaders and content they curate, and appreciate hearing the insights they extract from the curated stories and perspectives. This is how you start to move up the content pyramid. Level three, obvious connection. When you're curating other people's thoughts, insights, stories, and perspectives, or creating your own, the end result can be organized into two overarching mega categories, obvious connection, non-obvious connection. Gary Vaynerchuk creates obvious connections for his audience, 
His content is very linear and easy to understand. You want to learn how to do content on social? Here's how to create content on social media. A to B, one, two, straight line. Talib creates non-obvious connections for his audience. His content is not linear. It's abstract and requires drawing connections between seemingly unrelated data points. Why do uncertain, improbable black swan events happen in modern society? Well, first we need to understand the idea of robustness, which reflects an attitude where nothing is permitted to fail under conditions of change. A to Q, five to zebra, curvy, chaotic, nonlinear, stuff that makes you think. When people move from curator to creator, they typically move into obvious connection first. They have a topic and an audience in mind, and their goal is to move the audience from A to B. Want to learn how to run Facebook ads? I'm going to teach you how to run Facebook ads. Want to become financially independent? I'm going to show you how to become financially independent. Want to trade stocks? I'm going to show you how to trade stocks. Want to get promoted? I'm going to give you a three-step process to get promoted. Obvious connection content is simple by design. Its goal is less esoteric and more actionable and engineered to move readers incrementally forward in some meaningful way. To be clear, there's nothing wrong with this. Some of our favorite books, podcasts, and YouTube channels create absolutely terrific obvious connection content. The world needs it. We just want to make you conscious of the fact that obvious connections are incremental whereas non-obvious connections tend to be more rare, differentiated, and exponential. The Benefits of Drawing Obvious Connections Obvious connections have a short shelf life. They matter right now. This moved me forward in three steps. Non-obvious connections stand the test of time. They matter now and way into the future. This changed my life. More importantly, most non-obvious connections tend to gain in value over time as more and more people get it. If you're a writer, creator, entrepreneur, industry leader who wants to start building an audience, category, and customer base and monetize your knowledge and expertise in the short term, the fastest path to these outcomes is creating obvious connections. Think of this as demand capture versus demand creation. When you are drawing an obvious connection, the person already understands what you're talking about and all you're doing is moving them forward, a.k.a. the market in the person's mind already exists. When you're drawing a non-obvious connection, the person likely doesn't understand what you're talking about at first, which means you need to first give them a bunch of context they don't have and then walk them around your thinking a few times before they get it a.k.a. the market in the person's mind doesn't exist yet. You have to build it for them. From a thought leadership perspective, if your goal is to get attention and money quickly, it is typically much easier to do so by incrementally moving someone forward three steps as opposed to picking them up and planting them in a whole new universe. Non-obvious connections require them to think. And remember, most people don't want to think. They want to like and comment on stuff they already think and agree with. Today, what most people call thinking is actually the mental retweeting of an idea they already like and agree with. And that is the furthest thing from thinking. So the pro of creating obvious connections for your readers is more immediate and dare we say more guaranteed acceptance and approval. There's nothing threatening about you telling people, I will teach you how to close more sales leads faster. The con of creating obvious connections for your reader is that without some intentional category design and languaging, you are most likely just a slightly better version of the person or company who came before you. And there's almost nothing about what you're creating that is defensible against the person who comes after you. You're easily replaceable. You're a content creator on a hamster wheel. Because what happens when the next obvious connector comes along and draws obvious connections better than you? Well, you're stuck in what we call the better trap, which is, by the way, a complete race to the bottom. Level four, non-obvious connection. The same way there is a canyon-sized gap at the bottom of the content pyramid between consumers 
and curators, people who aren't in the game versus people who have thrown on a jersey and jumped onto the court, there is also a canyon-sized gap near the top of the content pyramid between obvious connectors and non-obvious connectors. This is the difference between the subtle art of not giving a fuck and thinking slow and fast. The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck is one of the best-selling nonfiction books of the past decade and has sold over 10 million copies in just a few years, published in 2016, but will likely become irrelevant this decade. Meanwhile, Thinking Fast and Slow has sold a fraction of the amount, under 3 million copies, in double the length of time, published in uh, 2012. But is a book that will remain relevant well beyond any of our lifetimes and shares radically new and different thinking discovered by author Daniel Kahneman, who won a Nobel Prize in economics. Which do you want to be? There actually isn't a right or wrong answer to this question. It's just worth pointing out how many people say they want the latter, but maniacally refresh their social media metrics and sales data clearly obsessed with the former. Non-obvious connectors are writers, creators, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders who change the world with their thinking. The unfortunate part, however, is that the data shows us most people don't want their thinking changed. They just want to be moved forward in some incremental way and to be told things that validate or remind them of their current beliefs, which is why the top non-obvious connectors usually sell far less copies and receive far less attention on social media than obvious connectors. We call this the Copernicus Dilemma. In 1543, Nicholas Copernicus hypothesized that the Earth, along with the other planets, rotated around the Sun. Up until this point, for nearly a thousand years, Aristotle's view was that Earth was stationary at the center of a revolving universe which had become accepted as conventional wisdom. Everybody agreed, and anyone who didn't was considered crazy. Nicholas Copernicus finally published his theory shortly before his death. Almost no one took him seriously. And followers, like Italian scientist Gernardo Bruno, were even burned the stake for teaching such a thing. It took more than a century for Copernicus's non-obvious connection that the earth revolves around the sun, not the other way around, to become widely accepted. Of course, we're still talking about Copernicus today, which is what makes non-obvious connections such a dilemma. If you're the one going out on a limb and saying things no one has been willing to say yet, and or connecting two disparate data points together to arrive at a new and highly different conclusion unaccepted by the status quo, the true definition of thought leader, then you are most likely not going to receive immediate acclaim and approval. In fact, the opposite is more likely to happen. You will be ridiculed. You will be disavowed and maybe even extradited from your home country. However, if and when the world comes around and is able to see things the way you see them, it's likely your point of view will stand the test of time. So again, which do you want? Most people claim they want to change the world with their thinking, but really what they want is dinner party approval and instant gratification. Examples of non-obvious connectors. Malcolm Gladwell is a non-obvious connector. He picks a topic and then curates juxtaposing and surprising stories that, when held together, allow the reader to draw non-obvious connections. His book, Talking to Strangers, is a great example of this, and the book's description is one giant signal of non-obvious connection. Quote, how did Fidel Castro fool the CIA for a generation? Why did Neville Chamberlain think he could trust Adolf Hitler? Why are campus sexual assaults on the rise? Do television sitcoms teach us something about the way we relate to one another that isn't true? Talking to Strangers is a challenging and controversial excursion through history, psychology, and scandals taken straight from the news. In it, Malcolm Gladwell revisits the deceptions of Bernie Madoff, the suicide of Sylvia Plath, 
and the death of Sandra Bland, throwing our understandings of these and other stories into doubt. Freakonomics, written by Stephen Levitt, professor of economics at the University of Chicago, and Stephen J. Dubner, is another timeless example of non-obvious connections. Again, the answer as to whether a book, a blog, or a piece of content is drawing an obvious or non-obvious connection is usually hidden in the title, description, or introduction. In the case of Freakonomics, quote, which is more dangerous, a gun or a swimming pool? Which should be feared more, snakes or french fries? Why do sumo wrestlers cheat? Dubner and Levitt present a brilliant and brilliantly entertaining account of how incentives of the most hidden sort drive behavior in ways that turn conventional wisdom on its head. Adam Grant, author of Think Again, Cal Newport, author of Digital Minimalism, Susan Cain, author of Quiet, these authors who write books every few years and when they finally hit publish, it's to reveal a new, non-obvious connection to readers. We see non-obvious content largely in the psychology category. However, it's also hiding in plain sight in less obvious categories like relationships, the five love languages, personal development, becoming supernatural, as well as business and money, the changing world order. Again, it's worth noting that while non-obvious connections tend to have longer shelf lives, they also tend to sell less and attract significantly less attention than their obvious counterparts. Most new categories lean non-obvious. Obviously, Malcolm Gladwell's Talking to Strangers has sold a million copies, whereas Jen Sincero's You're a Badass has sold more than 5 million. It's not that one is better than the other. It's that one draws non-obvious connections, whereas the other draws obvious connections. And especially in the near term, there is a much larger audience for obvious content than there is for non-obvious content. Level five, category creation. The top of the content pyramid is category creation. Both obvious connectors and non-obvious connectors can achieve the top of the pyramid. Even curators like Ryan Holiday or Tim Ferriss can achieve the top of the pyramid. And that's because the highest level of creation is category creation, becoming known for a niche you own. Ryan Holiday dominates the category of stoicism. James Clear dominates the category of habit building. Jen Sekiro dominates the category of badass woman. Nassim Nicholas Tlaib dominates the category of probability. And Category Pirates dominates the category of category design. When you're first starting out as a writer, creator, or aspiring thought leader, you think your goal is to hit a home run. You want to write a best-selling book. You want to go viral. You want to win an award. It's not until you get going on your journey and start climbing up the content pyramid that you learn the flaws of your pursuit. Your goal isn't to write one great book. Your goal is to write dozens, if not hundreds, of great books. And your goal isn't to create one viral video. Your goal is to create hundreds, maybe thousands, of viral videos. As a result, your mindset shifts from being known as the creator of one product to being known for a unique and differentiated category. Ryan Holiday isn't known for just one book. He's known for all things stoicism. And if you're a fan of Ryan Holiday... You don't just want to read The Obstacle is the Way. You want to read more books and watch more videos and consume more content about the category of Stoicism. This is why authors like Stephen King have such huge libraries. Readers keep coming back again and again because they're in love with the author's category and they'll take as much as they can get. New category, new business models. The benefit of creating your own category and becoming known for a niche you own isn't just radical differentiation. You also unlock new business models for yourself. When people are in love with your category, they don't just want one book. They want dozens of books on the topic. And they want courses going into depth on the topic. And they want worksheets helping them implement the topic. And they want to join a community supporting them on their journey, learning and internalizing the topic. Ryan Holiday even sells his Stoicism fans $26 coins and 
Marcus Aurelius bobbleheads, reminding them of their commitment to Stoicism, which he says on the My First Million podcast are actually bigger and better revenue generating businesses than selling books. Wrap your head around that. The important nuance here and what we want to be very clear about (laughs) is that what people want isn't more of you. We hear marketers say this all the time. Build a personal brand. Get people to fall in love with you. Then people will buy everything and anything you create. No, they won't. For example, Billie Eilish is one of the biggest music stars in the world. She has millions and millions of fans and followers. And in 2019, she published a book called Billie Eilish. People will love you. And it was a massive flop. Nobody bought it. What readers, listeners, viewers, and potential customers want isn't you. It's your category. The reason readers keep buying more of Ryan Holiday's books is because he keeps writing books about stoicism. And his readers are obsessed with category stoicism. Celebrities, on the other hand, typically write one book, and that book is titled in their name, and it never sells. And then they don't write any other books because people don't want more of them. When you successfully build a unique and differentiated category in which the reader is the main character, not you, you can create dozens of different revenue streams, giving readers more of what they love, category, in dozens of different ways. For example, digital products, books, ebooks, courses, etc. Physical products, t-shirts, coffee mugs, collectible coins, and who knows, maybe even bobbleheads. <laughs> Services, consulting, advising, coaching. Tools, building a software, SaaS platform, templates, ongoing education, paid newsletters, communities, affinity groups, uh, some people call them masterminds, and the list goes on and on. In fact, the more differentiated your category and the more committed you are to giving readers more of what they want in that chosen category, the more likely you are to see the next business model opportunity hiding in plain sight. Ooh, readers found this framework helpful but aren't sure how to implement it. Why don't I turn that into a downloadable worksheet? Or why don't I compile all of my frameworks and worksheets together and make that a book? Or Why don't I take my book outline and turn that into a four-week coaching program? Making money as a writer, creator, entrepreneur, and thought leader is easier when you are known for a niche you own. Then you're just in the business of giving people more of what they want and need. Thinkers high. The last thing we want to share with you here is this. Climbing the content pyramid is not easy. Just like how running 26.2 miles, a marathon, isn't easy. It hurts your legs. It makes you gasp for air. You end up in a puddle of sweat. You stink. And you're exhausted for a few days. But somewhere along the way, you forgot about all that. You had what most people call runner's high. Things were tough. You pushed through. You reached a state of bliss. And on the other side was a waterfall of endorphins. You felt fantastic because you overcame a challenge. Writing, creating content, and leading people's thinking in new and different directions is no different. It's hard. It takes work. If you've ever sat down and tried to read Crime and Punishment by Dostoevsky, then you know there is nothing enjoyable about reading that novel. It's a workout for your brain. But if you can push through... If you can sit in the discomfort long enough, what's waiting for you on the other side is thinker's high, a rush of endorphins for consuming something that changes the way you see the world. We pirates hope to do this until we die. We are addicted to thinker's high. Every time we experience it, we want it to last longer. As I'm reading you, as a side note, as I'm reading you, Snow Leopard, Uh, The three of us just got back from a uh, several-day jam session working on a big new set of ideas for the next year. And I'll tell you, when you're with a group of people that you love and enjoy working with and creating with, and you can get into that flow, as corny as it might sound to some, and experience Thinker's High for several days in a row as a band, very few things in the uh, work world that could be any 
uh, more legendary than that, in my opinion. Uh, but I digress. And when it goes away, that is to say thinkers high, we want to do it again, despite the fact that our heads hurt after it wears off. As both a creator and a consumer, thinkers high is your measure for success. If you are creating and consuming things that make your head hurt a little bit, then you're growing. You're getting stronger. The fibers in your brain are bulging the same way your biceps get a pump in the gym. But if you're creating and consuming things that make your head feel like mush, then you're doing the opposite. You're getting weaker. You're growing lazy. And each day you practice these habits, thinker's high goes from being an exhausting but highly rewarding activity to the intellectual equivalent of going to the gym for the first time in years, doing a hundred burpees, and then throwing up in the bathroom stall. Which is why we say thinking about thinking is the most important kind of thinking. All right, well, there it is, chapter one of Snow Leopard. And uh, if you love this dialogue about content and the content pyramid, why not share it with your entire team right now and all of your friends who are marketers, creators, entrepreneurs, and anyone else who's trying to create a different future with words. All right, we would like to thank, of course, we'd like to thank you. Thank you so much for your time and attention. And also thank you for making Snow Leopard a number one bestseller since the time it came out. We are deeply humbled and deeply appreciated. Our friends at Hallow App are the world's first real relationship network. No ads, no bots, no likes, no trolls, no followers, no algorithms, no influencers, no censorship, no garbage. Just you and the real relationships with the real people that you care about. Check out H-A-L-L-O-A-P-P.com today. That's Hallow App. Com. And if you're in technology in the B2B world and it's time for a new website, check out my friends at Atrenet. That's A-T-R-E dot N-E-T. And ask them about the Rapid Relaunch Program. My friends in Australia, Rapid Media, are doing some of the most legendary shit I have seen in my marketing career. And they have built the capability to connect the marketing signals out in the world with how to optimize your marketing spend all the way back through your inventory and supply chain. So if you want to be able to track marketing signal and demand from the earliest stages all the way back through your supply chain, check out rapidmedia.com.au. That's rapidmedia.com.au. Uh, all right, I need to remind you that this podcast is a property of the Lockhead Oddcast Network, and generally it goes better with libations. Please don't forget to tip your wait staff on the way out. And um, today's information is provided to you solely for informational purposes. <laughs> Please consult your lawyer, shaman, mystic, doctor, and bartender before acting on any of today's information. Remember, the left lane is the passing lane. Get out of the effing left lane. <laughs> we are produced and edited by the greatest of all time, Jason DeFilippo. If you want to do legendary podcasting, check out jason.fyi. Sarah Knox and Jamie J do legendary technical execution, and they build our website. Show notes by uh, GM Simon. The Bobus Brothers do our graphic and uh, web design. And uh, Cedric Biros helps out a lot. <laughs> this candy dandy keeps all the trains running on time. Lucinda Williams was right. Listen to Leonard Cohen and stay legendary. And the thought I'll leave you with today comes from Spinal Tap, who says, there's a fine line between clever and stupid. <laughs>